0: This is the Illustrators of the Future panel and how to make it as an artist. So we're gonna start with introducing everybody here. Uh, My name is Emily Jones Goodwin and I'm with Illustrators of the Future. I'm with the administration of the contest itself and author services. And we have here with us at the moment some of the winners of the contest who are gonna tell you about it and also how to make it as an artist. So we'll start with uh, Brian.
1: Right. Thanks, Emily. I'm, I'm Brian Hales. I, uh, I won the contest forever ago. I think it was 2002, volume 18. Uh, so I've got a couple of illustrations in volume 18. And, uh, and then I also illustrated one of uh, L. Ron Hubbard's short stories in volume 30, which was just a couple of years ago. I've been working full-time as a full-time artist, graphic designer for uh, ever since. And uh, I've been doing lots of book covers and graphic novels and comics and children's books. And illustrated novels since then, so that's me.
0: Nice.
2: Hi, I'm Nick Jisba. I won the contest uh, last year, this year. I'm not sure which one to use, but uh, volume 38. Um, so I have an illustration in there. And I'm currently working part-time at a sign shop doing graphic design, and I'm also selling my art at conventions. And it looks like next year I'll be going full-time just selling my art at shows.
3: Thank you. Um,
4: good. Hi, I'm Colin. And I'm also the winner of the 38 illustration of the future and now I'm running my own business as an illustrator. So, yeah, <laughs> that's about it. All
0: right. Thank you. I'm just going to take a moment and tell you what this um, Illustrators of the Future is. So we run an international both writing and illustration contest. It's been going for 39 years now. So it's pretty well established. And every year, we publish 12 new writers and illustrators in this anthology. It's an international contest. We get entries from 175 countries, and we publish 12 writers and 12 illustrators every year in the anthology. So you just, as a, a writer, will send their writing, their story in. It's a short story. And illustrators send in three pieces. And some of the judges that actually see these um, works of art that come in, and we'll see if you recognize some of these names. We have Echo Chernik, Lazarus Chernik, Cirello... Diane Dillon, Bob Eggleton, Craig Elliott, Larry Elmore. You probably recognize Larry Elmore. He does all that Dungeons & Dragons original art. Brittany Jackson, she was a winner, now she's a judge. Stephen Martinier, Mike Perkins, Rob Pryor, uh, Dan Dos Santos, Sean Tan, Tom Wood. So those are a few of the judges, so I don't know if you recognize any of those names. But the work, the work gets submitted, your name comes off of the art, so it's completely blind judged. So it's completely fair, it's just based on merit alone, and you also get paid. Um, It's free to enter, cash prizes, $500. You also get paid for your illustration. And when somebody wins the illustration contest, um, and like I said, there are 12 winners a year, they get hired to illustrate one of the stories in the book. There's 12 color illustrations, and they go with each of the stories in the book. And then you get flown out to Hollywood for a whole week-long workshop, which these are, these guys are all going to tell you their experience with that. And um, there's a big awards event. You get your trophy. And then we send you out on book signing tours. And it's basically there to launch careers. We're trying to help and get you noticed. And that's what the Illustrator's Future is about. It was created by Elman Hubbard in the 80s. And this is literally now, this is the latest volume that came out. It's volume 38. So it's just it's been going for a long time, it's very well established, and it really gets you in front of an audience where, you know, because there's a lot of talent out there, and it's, it's all, a lot of it's about connections, but this is a way to get yourself seen. So on that note, and when we're done, I'll have little cards up here with the information and the website and stuff where you can enter. So we're going to just take a moment, and I want these these guys to give, uh, tell you about what happened when they won and their experience and what happened when you went to L.A. And why don't you start?
1: Okay, so uh, I entered the contest, like I said, a long time ago. Uh, back when I entered, it was black and white illustrations. And so uh, I entered a few pieces I had done of uh, Maidens and Monsters. It's an ongoing series that I'm still doing. Um, basically, uh, elegant ladies with dragons and uh, was right, right down the alley of writers uh, of the Future. And the illustrators of the future. So um, when I won, uh, Frank Frazetta was a judge, which is kind of cool, which means he had eyes on my stuff before he passed away, um, which was just a couple of years after that, I believe. Yeah. And um, it's, it's really cool. You just, I mean, any, how many artists do we have in the audience? I'm just curious. Awesome. So most Thanks. of you. <laughs> and how many of you have entered the illustrators of the future contest? Wow, okay. Wow. You should be entering every quarter <laughs> because it's awesome. It's like the Academy of Awards for illustrators or aspiring artists. Um, so when I won, uh, you know, they, they call you and uh, let you know. And there's a, like, she's, like Emily said, a cash prize. And, and uh, they fly you out to Hollywood, roll out the red carpet. You get to meet celebrities and have a week-long workshop with professionals in the field that are working um, and so it's, it's very educational, um, it's inspiring, uh, it's validating, it validates you as an artist and, um, you know, shows that you're on the right path and helps you to kind of launch your professional career. So um, when I went out, it was uh, Ron and Val Lindon, I believe, were the judges that were teaching uh, the workshop. And then they also have uh, additional guests, guest artists that come in and supplement uh, the teaching for the workshop. So Um, You'll get to meet a lot of other artists besides those that are handling uh, the workshop. And then uh, at the end of the week, after that week-long workshop of all the invaluable information you glean, uh, they have an awards ceremony, which I mentioned is like the Academy of Awards. And uh, when I won back in 2002, uh, Fellowship of the Ring had come out. Um, I believe Two Towers had come out, but Return of the King had not yet been released and uh, the celebrity they had giving out awards was Sean Astin. And so that was pretty, pretty cool to meet Sean and, and chat with him and hang out with him for a couple of hours in the awards uh, show afterwards. And uh, so it's just a really great experience. And uh, I've been, like I say, I've been working professionally as an artist uh, since then. So it's been a lot of uh, help and
2: validation.
0: Nice. Thank you.
2: Um, in my case, uh, it was, uh, I got basically got a phone call and I'm really bad about checking my messages. So I didn't hear it till like 11 at night and I actually like called them back right away. So, uh, that was, that was really exciting. It was, I didn't sleep very well that night, but it was really cool. And then, uh, and then it was just sort of like the next couple of weeks were a little crazy as I was finding out all the information about, you know, doing my illustration for the book and, uh, cause that's really the next step after you win is you do the illustration. And it was like really cool working with a more professional art director than I'd worked with before. Um, it's really, really helpful, um, so it's, it definitely made, improved my piece quite a bit. So yeah, that, that's really good. And also it's just really fun to be out there and meet other artists that are on the same level as you. You can meet a lot of cool people. And also it's really cool to actually meet the uh, writer of your story, which I got to do. So they sort of like reveal your piece to the uh, authors mm-hmm. without telling them who did what illustration and which one it's for. So it's fun watching it walk through the room and find their illustration. It's always, that was really exciting for me. Yep.
4: Yeah, the, I remember the first time I, I got my phone call, I thought it's fraud or something. Could call me? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, in, in the middle of nowhere, and I got a phone call and said, you win the, like, the 38th Illustrator of the Future. So, and uh, then I got an email, I'm going to uh, try to come to the, the Los Angeles, the Hollywood, to get a ceremony, and I found that I was around at, uh, like, midnight, and so still a lot of people, still a lot of illustrators there, I say, okay. That's, that's how the illustrator works. It's a, mid, it's a midnight, and they never sleep. And so, yeah. And uh, the, the good thing is about it, you can I touch my, the author. And we talk a lot about, like, the good thing. We, we never talk about, like, the, the story. We just talk about, uh, the art and our experience. That's a good thing about it. And I talk about the judges. And the judges gave me a lot of, like, like, good, um, uh, like, it's very helpful. Uh, Stuff like that, and how to improve, like the portfolio. How to just uh, uh, combine the business and the illustration, your 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 illustration, your style together. That's a good thing for me. Yeah, that's what I learned from there.
0: Nice. Yeah.
4: Yeah,
1: it's amazing.
0: Thank you. You you also also taught Brian at the workshop, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Special guest. I forgot about. I've been out there a couple of times. Um, what's cool about um, this contest that uh, L. Ron Hubbard set up is that uh, it's sort of a family. Once you're in the club, you're in the club, and these guys treat you like royalty. Um, and so it's been fun to go out ever since. I've been, like I say, a professional working artist, and so I've been uh, out a few times to Hollywood to help uh, supplement the workshop. Like I said, a lot of guest artists come and, and uh, help uh, you know, with their expertise in different areas. So yeah, that's been a good part of, part of it as
2: well. Nice. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, all right.
2: Yeah. I'd also like to add I met Blake, who's the guy that runs all these panels from Fanex there, and yeah. like that's actually part of why I'm at the show, Like selling my art here, was just because I met him and started getting organized for the show. So I've been able to do a lot more shows this year just because I went to the event, so that has been really cool.
0: It's a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Good, all right. And so on this panel, we're going to be talking about how to make it as an illustrator, and we saw... From a show of hands, there are a lot of illustrators in this room. And so what we have is we have somebody who is very well established over here, who won a long time ago, is now doing books and illustrating them and writing them. So we're going to hear from him on how once you have made it. And then these two on this side are really just getting up and going now, like they just recently won. So it's good to get a a perspective from both sides. So um, we'll, we'll give you a little, you know, different levels of perspective on, on making it. So why don't you say how you, you know, how you, what how, well, they want to know, how to survive as an illustrator. So let's.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think if you're, if you're, if you want to be a professional basketball player, you got to know how to dribble and you got to know how to shoot. Um, as an artist, it's no different. You got to learn the foundations first. You know, uh, for the contest, it's focused on fantasy and sci-fi art, um, but know your figure. Uh, know how to do landscapes and settings. Uh, I was at the San Diego Comic-Con a few years ago, and uh, one of the panelists there, uh, somebody from D.C., was saying, we get so many submissions from people that can draw Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, um, but we get very few people that can draw Gotham City well or uh, Metropolis. You know, draw these characters in their settings. <laughs> and uh, if you can draw dragons, that's great. But uh, like, focus on the anatomy, focus on the good stuff that you see on book covers in the bookstore. Um, you know, If you want to be a professional working artist, your stuff has to kind of be at that level where it's on par with what's selling. Because publishers, they don't want a one-hit wonder. They want a, a moneymaker. And so they want to be able to you know, sell what you create, and uh, and so just look at what's out there, and and make sure that you've got a, a good handle on the fundamentals. You know, uh, anatomy, composition, value, balance, texture, all that stuff. It's so important to just know your know your fundamentals and learn learn the basics.
0: Good, and for also, you- Oh,
1: sorry. Also, learn how to draw robots and spaceships, <laughs> and <laughs> elves, you and sci-fi, all that that's stuff.
0: Kind of important. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, and if you're just trying to, like, make it in, um, I'd actually, like, entering contests is really helpful just because it helps to have, like, outside professionals, like, looking at your work. And once I found once I started getting into contests, whether it was Illustrators of the Future or I've been in, gotten into uh, uh, the Infected by Art annual book a couple times now. And once I started getting into those contests, I noticed my convention sales started going way up. And so, like, it's, there's definitely a correlation between being able to get into these contests and actually being able to work professionally. So I found that, that to be just really helpful as like a guide for like how far along I was in my career was whether I was getting like honorable mentions or actually getting into the book and, and that kind of stuff. And that really just comes down to you have to just paint a little bit all the time because you never know when you're going to like actually make the piece that's going to get you into the book and get recognized. Um, and a lot of times there's something I think will be great and it'll be the thing I think wasn't that great would be the one that got into the contest or something else. So it's, it's always good to get the feedback that way from, from an outside source as well. Um, and also taking online classes has been really amazing. Um, once you get to a certain level, you really not need to start getting feedback from someone who knows what they're doing to, like, help improve, to, like, still improve quickly. Because, like, the, the better you get at art, the harder it gets to improve on your own, um, just because it gets harder and harder to find your own mistakes. So, yeah, those, are, those would be my really tips right now. Um, and also, I guess, conventions too. Uh, try to do small local ones. So if you're going like, to go the convention route while you're selling your art at shows, it helps to like, practice doing it at smaller venues before you start spending a lot of money doing these big shows. Um, so I did like a lot of small shows in Nebraska before I started doing any of these big traveling all over the country shows. And that's been like, really helpful just having that experience because there's always taxes and paying for your booth and expenses for buying prints and all that kind of stuff. So it helps to know what you're doing before you have to spend a lot of money and take big financial risks to get it done, so.
0: Yeah. They don't call them starving artists for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and
4: uh, the true story just happened around me and my friend, before I graduated age, my friend decided, okay, hey, my illustration work is just a, it's a masterpiece. I, wanna, I don't want to compromise with uh, like a commercial stuff, big like business, like business for the artists, like dirty stuff, but... <laughs> But, you know, sometimes uh, it's really hard to find a balance between the business and the, like the art, really art stuff. So, um, but after I graduated, like two years to three years ago, I find it's not really important. Because uh, sometimes when you really want the marketing, you would have to find the market. You, ha- you can let the market find you. Yeah, if your art is really good enough, and they get, let more people recognize you and, and this and you can see your works in the galleries send the book and uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere in the street. Yeah, it's going to be a good thing. And i found, I always talk to the, lo- the local artists, uh, including the musician and the author, and uh, even the people who work in the, the, the restaurant. They all, always find a new start, a new concept from there. Because I don't think the artist is just a drawing or something. The artist can be like, like like the people who clean the street or something yeah it's not don't, don't limit it yourself just talk to someone else and they always some the always have a best story to just uh, just give you some like a concept a good idea or something like that so uh actually my first job it's not it's not a job it's a con contrast work you just work for the the local band because i went to the bar and i saw the band i heard really amazing music and i talked to the the, the guitar player, so I, can, I really like music. How about you, do you want like the album cover or something? Mm-hmm. I say, yeah, okay, yes, hey, let, 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 let's work, work together. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I get my first pay. so Alright. Yeah. <laughs> I designed like the, the cover of the, uh, of, the mu- uh, of the music, so, yeah. Just talk, talk to everybody, just uh, don't limit it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good thing. So.
0: We know artists like to like and draw and paint and all of that, but there, you know, really to make it as an artist, there, there is a social side to that. You have to speak to people. So how many of you artists out there have like social media pages? And Good, good. Okay, that's a good way also to uh, show your art. Uh, you might want to try keeping, you know, a lot of our artists and judges and stuff will have a, a uh, professional page as opposed to your personal page, so you can kind of keep that separate. So if you don't have a page set up, it's a good idea to set up an actual, you know, if you're an author, you do an author page. Artist is an artist page so that you can feature your stuff and keep your politics separate. It's a good tip.
1: Or photos of your children, right? Yeah. Yep. Unless <laughs> you paint them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, was just, I just had a thought here. I, I don't think enough can be said for just doing the work either. Um, you know... If you want to be a filmmaker, you got to make films. If you want to be a dancer, you got to dance. And if you want to be an artist, you got to create art. Um, most of the jobs professionally that I've gotten that have been you know, significant were because I just sat down and did the work. I, I wrote and illustrated my first graphic novel, uh, Dragon's Gate, and uh, it was noticed by Arcana Studios, who wanted uh, to uh, buy the, the IP, Uh, Their contract wasn't great, so I turned them down. But they still hired me to illustrate one of their IPs, Continuum. And uh, illustrating that for them led to a job with American Girl, where I got to illustrate a bunch of Girl of the Year books. Uh, McKenna the Gymnast and... um, uh, Was it Sage? I can't remember. A bunch of Illustrator, uh, a bunch of uh, American Girl, uh, Girl of the Years. Um, And then I, I, on my own... Uh, I also wrote and illustrated a second graphic novel, Devil's Triangle, and uh, last year I just got an email uh, from a guy named William Blake Heron, um, who is the screenwriter of The Bourne Identity, and he's like, hey, I stumbled upon your graphic novel, Devil's Triangle, and uh, are the film and TV rights still available for this? And I said, yes, they are, and so he's, you know, been chopping it around to uh, his some of his friends, like Carl Gajudasek, who is a front runner on Stranger Things, and um, Scott Derrickson is doing a Bermuda Triangle feature, which was a friend of his. They share the same manager. And so he was like, well, I don't want to step on Scott's toes, so maybe we do this as a TV series or something. So it's cool because, you know, if I hadn't just done the work, if I hadn't just written and illustrated Dragon's Gate, Devil's Triangle on my own, then I wouldn't have these other things happen. You know, it's sort of like every job you do is a stepping
2: stone to something greater. So just do the work. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not working professionally yet, and you like need someone to like help you like keep that schedule, uh, try to find like a local art group or something or like a Discord server. Uh, that way, you'll have some like external like external commitments to get the art done. Um, like I Twitch streamed for a while just to like be like I have a schedule. I have to be there at this time, so I have to sit down and paint no matter what today. Um, and that, that actually helped me pretty pretty substantially. Was just streaming basically, you know, half hour to an hour a day, like once a. And I basically did that for about seven or eight months in a row, and then I took a break and just went back to it. At like basically every after a month off.
0: You were like literally doing your art streaming live. Just
2: streaming it live, just just to force myself to sit down and do it, because otherwise I might end up because playing video are games. Watching. Exactly, I had a schedule I had committed to people that I would be there, so no matter what I did, I had to turn off what I was doing and sit down and paint. So if if you're like me and you need sort of that external thing, I'd, I'd advise like streaming or finding an art group or something like that, just so you you have to do it because you've you've committed to it.
4: Yeah. yeah, sometimes I'm just uh, getting uh, getting some concept from, from the other, other artists. It's not just copy their works, it's not copy their just style. Just, but sometimes we just, just take a look at more of work, and more work, you're going get more stuff. And finally, you're going to get it, things you need. And, now, and then they'll become your work, become your style. Yeah. And the next step, you're going to forget everything. If forget everything and learn, you learn, then you're going to create your own stuff. Yeah. That's how it works for my illustration. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I think what he was saying also, finding groups, I know like you get the writers and they all have writing groups, and illustrators kind of they just want to go paint and draw, but it is good to connect up with others. Make sure you have good friends too. like one important thing is not to just get discouraged uh, I think. What I have found over the many years working with uh, illustrators is, you know, they're their own biggest critics, usually. Like, everybody's own work sucks the most, which, you know, you can't let that happen. Like, I've talked to some of these, like, legends, and they're like, oh, that guy's so much better. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you've got, like, 45 covers, you know, um, and they all are bestsellers, and you're amazing. So, the reason why I bring that up is, Persistence. If it's something that you want to do and you want to be an illustrator, you want to do art, do it. And, you know, if you want to get better, then get better. But it's some, the persistence is what's going to get you there. Like, if you continue with it and you persist and you keep going with it, you know, you, you can eventually make it. Like he was saying, you know, you have to learn to dribble to play basketball. Well, you know, you, the more you do it, the better you're going to get. And there's a lot of classes. There's, you know, now way more than in the past. There are so many more online resources for learning and so forth. But as long as you stick to it, and if that's your dream, then, then um, just stay focused on that. And, um, you know, even if you have to have a side job while well, you keep going on it, but that's a definite important part is the persistence factor.
1: Um, I, I, was, I was thinking about my experience with the contest, and I, I thought, you know, one of, the, one of the great highlights of this is actually working with the authors, the winning authors of the contest. So when you win, they hire you to illustrate one of the winning short stories in the contest. And I was, I was lucky enough uh, the year I won to be able to illustrate two of the stories. So I, I illustrated the, the one that won the grand prize, Eating, Drinking, Walking, uh, which is a great sh- short story. And uh, they asked me to also illustrate uh, Nettie Akorafors' yeah. story. I think it was called The Seekers," yeah. And a really, really very conceptual, really cool visual story. Uh, And so it's a cool opportunity because you get, uh, not only do you win with your portfolio pieces, but you also get a professional job that's paid uh, on top of it, Um, and not to mention the the prize money for the winners of the contest. So uh, it's cool because you get that working experience when you win as a quarterly winner to illustrate one of the short stories. And that's a good skill to have as well as a working professional artist, is to be able to get a script or a story or even an outline from an art director or an, uh, an editor or publisher, and be able to kind of give them what they're looking for. I uh, I was in New York City uh, in 2002. Uh, I was doing an internship at the Society of Illustrators in New York, and um, uh, Scott, who uh, ran the, the society at the time, he had a good friend that was this really prominent uh, children's book agent and uh, he had me put up my portfolio while I was there and I helped with the you know setting up the galleries and things and um, they had visiting art directors and filmmakers and artists all the time coming into the the fourth floor restaurant and uh, anyway he said you know what Uh, you should you should meet with this agent this children's book agent um, that I'm good friends with and I said oh yeah that'd be great I, I hadn't really done much uh, children's stuff. Um, but I had done a lot of fantasy. Uh, I was, I was working on Dragon's Gate at the time. Um, but I, I did have this little project I was doing about the fairy and a dragon and I had a few sketches and things. And, and so he set up this meeting and I met with this big New York children's book agent. And, um, I, I, I sort of like hid my Dragon's Gate stuff behind me and I had my little children's book sketches because she was a children's book agent. And so she, she sat down with me, and she was very polite, and um, she's like, I like your stuff. I saw a few pieces uh, that they showed me, and um, I said, this is my children's book, and I kind of told her the concept for the story, and I'd written, I'd written it out, but it hadn't really been edited, and she's like, these are good. The concept's okay. It's, it's, uh, it's not fleshed out, is it? And I said, no, not really, and she looked behind me, and she saw my Dragon's Gate stuff. She's like, what's that? And I said, oh, that's just a graphic novel I'm working on. And she said, let me see it. And so I showed that to her, she, and she she was flipping through. She's like, this is what you need to do. And I was like, no, she's a children's book agent. She's, <laughs> you know, so... But she recognized, you know, people, people recognize what you're passionate about, and uh, you should focus on that, because you'll always do your best work if it's something that you love and that you're passionate about. You, you can try to fool people and fool clients and stuff, but they know um, the quality is going to be where your heart is.
0: Yeah, so true. <laughs> All right, so we're going to, we have about 20 minutes left. So... Uh, We're going to open it up for questions, because that usually ends up taking a while. So if you have questions, you can just come up to the microphone here and ask anyone up here. Uh, Yeah, I'm Kat Nelson, CK Nelson Fine Art. I was just curious, so in submitting for the contest, um, because I primarily focus on landscapes, would it be beneficial for me to spend some time working on figures?
2: Um, I didn't have a single figure in any of the art I submitted. So, I do mostly uh, space art and stuff too. So, yeah, I submitted one with like ships on the sea, a big spaceship over a planet, and like a little sort of like giant space worm sort of headed towards like a gas giant space station kind of thing. So, so no? <laughs> I, I would say it's
1: important for every artist to learn the figure, even if you're doing landscapes, because the figure is a landscape. Um, you know, if you, if you attend life drawing classes, You'll, you'll learn that drawing the figure is just like drawing mountains and valleys and deserts and jungles. Um, it becomes a matter of shapes and structure, uh, proportion, all that stuff. It's all important. And chances are, if you won the contest, the short story you receive is going to contain figures. There will be characters in these stories, so I would say yes.
3: Um, Do you guys have
2: any tips on getting over art block? Getting over art block? uh, Yeah, I use a lot of, like, I'll do, like, black and white abstract art and try to find a composition in that abstract art. Um, It's not as good because I still have art block, but generally once I start doing that, I'll get over it. And I'll also try giving myself a break where I just won't worry about making art for a few days and just take a break because sometimes I'm starting to burn out or something and I need those days off to, like, sort of recover, basically. Um, but yeah, just try like try using different methods to get started, or switching media. So if you're doing digital, try like doing some traditional sketching or something like that. Help yourself get started.
1: Yeah, I, I would just tell one of your friends to sit down, pull out a piece of paper, and start sketching them. <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is uh, is sketch uh, people and then turn them into things. So you know, turn them into superheroes or fairies or elves or whatever. Um, yeah, if you have art block, the, the, way, the way to get over it is to just start drawing. <laughs> if you're a writer and you have art block, you force yourself to sit down at the computer and start writing something. You just got to do the work. You just, you know, Art block, I think people use sometimes as an excuse, and you just got to get over yourself and just sit down. And if, if you, There's a difference between uh, art block or writer's block and just not loving what you're doing. You know, maybe maybe art's not your thing. If you, if, if you struggle with that a lot, it's probably just, you're probably interested in something else, you know, but you got to figure that out.
0: Thank you.
4: Okay, so when you're first starting out with jobs, you're getting a couple offers here and there. Do you pick between jobs that you like or maybe jobs that will get you noticed or find a good balance? What is your experience with that, I guess?
0: Well, you're doing really well if you're getting that many thrown at you. Yeah. Not
4: that many, but there's been a couple jobs where, you know, it's different things than maybe I want to do, but it's jobs that will get me noticed with hopefully the right crowd. Okay, so the first time I got my job, I found it. I saw it as my, I really like job, but I found it's not. So trying to find your own way sometimes, yeah. Find right your own business or you know something. But if I, if I just say the way, just pick the job you like, yeah. Yeah.
0: It,
3: yeah.
2: It also depends if they're asking you to do something that you're really not gonna be happy painting, because yeah, yeah, usually you won't get a good portfolio piece and it'll be hard to get other work because you won't be as happy with what you're doing, especially mm-hmm. early on, because uh, some of those like, lower end clients, if they're like, not as good, will have like, really specific, really picky art direction that isn't necessarily good. <laughs> so if you're already fighting that and you're not happy with a project, it's gonna be really hard to make a good piece. So sometimes you're better off just picking something you know you're going to be a little bit more comfortable with and you think you'll be able to produce better work for. Because, um, yeah, like one of my really early experiences was working for somebody that would, like, it wasn't, it was sort of different from what I was norm- regularly doing and posting, and I didn't produce the best work, and it was hard to find work for a little while after that. So um, definitely be a little bit picky, but if you need the money, you need the money. So. Okay.
3: Thank you.
0: Thank you all for your advice. It's been, I don't know about anyone else here, but it's been really helpful for me just yeah. hearing your experience. So thank you for that. But my question is kind of related to that, but more so like if you have just so many things that you're interested in, like you are, you know, you like the illustrator stuff, but you like the watercolors or the graphic design and just how to pick one <laughs> if you need to pick one. Mm.
1: I can speak to that. I, I write, like, like Emily mentioned, I write and illustrate my own books and it's been tough for me to, to settle on a genre uh, marketing becomes much easier if you stick to a genre. You know, if you just do horror novels and people know that that's what you do, you're probably going to have an easier time marketing yourself. Uh, I jump around from fantasy, sci-fi, horror, um, all you know, all kinds of things. And it's been tough. Um, so... But the thing is if if it's what you love, for me, a good story is a good story. It doesn't matter what genre it's in. If it's got good characters and a good story arc, um you know whether or not if it's a western or a thriller, you know if it's a good story, it's a good story. But like I said, it's easier to market if you stick to one so but but i would I would kind of settle in on your primary target you know if, if you enjoy doing fantasy the most, then then definitely do you know try to stick to fantasy if you like to you know, venture outside the bounds a little bit. I, I think of, you know, Steven Spielberg, you know, we always knew him for Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, kind of, you know, sci-fi type stuff. Um, but then, you know, later in his career, once he was established, he was able to do whatever he wanted. He did Munich and Schindler's List and all that stuff. And that is nothing like Jaws or <laughs> the Close Encounters. So I would say when you're starting out, yeah, you should, you're, uh, to answer the last question, you're probably going to have to take on jobs that you don't really want to do, um, but every job you get is going to hone your skills that much more, and uh, you know establish your portfolio. So um, yeah, it's easier marketing to pick a genre, but if you can't, uh, or a style, you know, uh, if you can't, then you'll figure it out
0: <laughs> and establishing your portfolio it, it is very important and also the more jobs you get and the more you put in that portfolio showing okay look this they i'm this person you know someone sees your portfolio oh this person's been hired for this type of work this type of work that's going to help you as well like you know, take echo chernick who is the coordinating judge for the illustrators of future contest and she's very just she's art nouveau right and uh, at the time when she started nobody that was not in Popular. it wasn't in fashion at the time, but she, that's what she was really good at. That's what she was doing. And now anytime anybody needs that style, they go to her. And so she's got the market, you know, she, you see her all the Celestial Tea, the, the tea bags for Celestial Seasonings and, you know, any, uh, all kinds of things in that style, but she's the go-to person for it. So that's kind of, you know, you can you build, build on it. Yeah.
2: And, and also like get some outside feedback. Um, that way you can like, get some outside feedback basically to help you pick which what you're doing the best and then focus on that for a while and still have fun with the other stuff on the side. But yeah, just make that what you're focusing on professionally first.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you.
4: Hello. Um, my question is pretty much in the vein of artwork. Is it is it necessary for your artwork, like sketch or pencil work, to be full color to qualify? Or can it just be like sketch or pencil work just I mean, like cleaned up or something
0: yeah i mean it doesn't have to be in color to enter the illustrators of the future contest you can enter black and white he won in black and white it is color now but um we had uh we had won two volumes ago that was black and white with a tiny little square of red and it was one of the winning ones so you can it's not limited thank you Howdy. Hello.
2: <laughs> when investing in equipment, is it better to focus for when it's professional, digital, physical, or a good mixture
0: in in between? Well, it depends what you specialize in. What's your focus? Like, what are you? What is your? What are you good uh, at? Because right.
2: I have had the most personal experience working with digital. I know that through different aspects of my family, we have a large collection of uh, physical equipment. Is it worth trying to find a balance in between, trying to focus on getting the equipment for digital, or maybe just choosing one and focusing?
1: I would suggest, uh, well, first of all, uh, equipment is secondary to skill. Um, you, You can give a great artist the crappiest, cheapest equipment that you can buy at the grocery store and they're going to create something amazing with it. Um, although if you give a great artist the best of the best as far as materials and um, equipment, it'll be a little bit better. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of like a five or ten percent increase right uh, for finished product but everybody focuses on equipment but you should focus on skill first and equipment second. That said, I prefer to, I still prefer to draw traditionally. You know, the the Cintiqs and the Wacom tablets, the Wacom, some people say, uh, you know, they're getting pretty close to the actual tactile feel of a pencil on paper. They're just not quite there for me. Um, and so most of my stuff is still traditionally drawn. And then I'll, you know, if, if time, if I have a deadline or something, I'll generally digitally paint with my Cintiq, uh, my Cintiq Pro. And so, That that's that's like a time saver if I'm you know if I if it's commercial work if I have a client There's a deadline. Uh, I'll generally paint digitally Uh, But it's cool to draw Traditionally because at the end of the day I have a drawing and not just a bunch of files Uh, And now in my career now that money's not an issue I still prefer to paint with acrylics and oils because at the end of the day I have a painting and I don't have a file and so if you're just doing work for clients to get paid by the client, yeah, I would say paint digitally. If you're doing stuff for you and you want to hang it on a wall, paint traditionally.
2: So,
0: Thank you. Do you have anything?
2: Um, yeah, I guess I could talk a little bit about that. I have started out just pure digital, so I've never really done much traditional work. And I've been totally fine with just with digital. And uh, you can get the equipment to start painting digitally relatively inexpensively now. So just like a cheap iPad Pro is probably more than enough. Um, and you can also build like those little mini PCs if you're willing to build one yourself for, uh, I haven't looked at the prices since the pandemic, but probably six or $700 at this point for something that'll run Photoshop really well. And then maybe another couple hundred dollars on a tablet monitor. So you, you can do it for probably under $1,000 for all the equipment for digital.
0: There you go. Um, how do you find a, um, an, an agent to help you
1: um, into the field? I. I, I think my art is good enough to have an agent, but I, I uh, don't know where
3: to start. I've gone through a few websites, and you didn't hear crickets. You're like, <laughs> So I don't know if I'm trying
1: to find the wrong uh, agent, or um, I, where are they all
3: hiding? <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I would say have an art station page. Um Deviantart works as well, although that one's not quite as current. Um, and then yeah, social media promoting yourself. Nowadays, like the big juggernaut companies like Marvel and DC, they seek you out. They they rarely take submissions. There are companies that accept submissions, so you can seek those out. Um, I know for writers, there's you know websites like Query Tracker. Um and I actually got an agent for my novel Blink. Um and uh, he's been shopping that around in the sequel. Uh, so I use Query Tracker to get a writing agent. Um, I don't think there are websites like that for artists. I think you just have to be really, really good and get your stuff out there in front of people so that they'll happen upon it. And so all, all the artists I know that you know have gotten gigs with Dark Horse or Image and all that stuff, they just had really great portfolios. And these people, these art directors from those companies found them and hired them. So, have good stuff. Yeah.
3: Um, so, a lot of my professors in college had a really negative view of fan art, but then obviously you come somewhere like FanX, and a bunch of people have a career creating fan art. I'm just curious about, when you're creating personal work, is it generally things that you're coming up with your own things, or are you drawing other character- characters from, you know, different other people's work? or how- What's your relationship with fan art in general?
2: Um I know some people that are making a living with fan art, and I think it comes down to more what you want to paint to make a living. Um, you can do it with fan art, but personally, I just have more fun painting my own things. And uh, I think it took, probably took me a little while longer to start making a living off my own work with my own ideas, but you can do it eventually. So if you have more fun with that, then you can just do it all on your own. Um,
4: yeah, sometimes I have a friend just uh, working with fan art, and sometimes you really, really hard to totally copy the other people's work. You're not a printer, right? you just, uh, every, 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 time, every time you brush it, you brush your brush you color, it, you bring your own stuff in, in the art. Yeah, so the fine, so, so the fine art is going to be totally different from the people you copy.
1: Yeah,
4: so try to yourself.
1: Yeah, I, I would just add, um, I think in today's world, you know, there's a lot of buzz about AI art and all that stuff. I think really the thing that separates the really amazing stuff from kind of the mediocre um, run-of-the-mill stuff is the idea behind it. Um, I've been talking about, you know, skill and, you know, the basics and the fundamentals and learning how to anatomy and all that stuff. Um, But if you don't have a great idea, um, an idea for a piece of art is just as important as a great idea for a story uh, as a writer. So, um, you know, sometimes it's about the concept. And I don't think, I think AI will be good at uh, the technical part of it, but, but there's still that idea concept that, um, I don't know, we humans come up with ideas, right? And you can walk the floor down out here at Fenn and you can see some amazing art, but what's really great is when you get a really slick idea paired with somebody that's really skilled to pull off that idea, and then you have something amazing, right? And that's going to uh, attract attention. So yeah, that's what I would add. Yeah. Ideas plus skill. <laughs> oh. And
0: if you're planning on also entering the Illustrators of the Future contest, if that's something you want to do to get yourself noticed and get a little step up. Um, it's you're, you're going to want to create something original for that. Yeah.
3: Thank yeah. you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm good.
4: Okay. Hi, um, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, My question is on the business side of art. So I'm not personally a creator, but I would like to help creators make their uh, art come true in some way. So how do I approach that to make sure uh, projects succeed? Because a lot of projects fail without even seeing the the light of day.
0: Like you want to be an agent? Uh, Sort of, but also
4: just like... Like I went to school for marketing, so like oh, okay. I wanted to see how to approach it and how to keep the momentum going in the project.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Are, are you building a website? Uh, eventually, but I'm just currently just working to get money. Okay.
0: Yeah, it seems like you're going to want to do a lot of networking. Probably building a website is a good idea. And then also, coming to conventions, you're going to have to network. You're going to have to meet people in order to do that. You're going to have to be reaching out... Um, social media, website, build an email list. That's another thing that's important is um, making, you know, when, you, when you're going out and you're showing your work, let's say you're going to a convention, big, small, whatever, uh, building an email list is important. Um, you know, uh, getting fans because uh, the larger, you know, a lot of our judges have that, you know, and when something new comes and some new project or something, you know, let's say you want to do a Kickstarter one day or whatever, um, having an email list so you can email the fans and a growing fan base is going to be helpful as
3: well.
2: Right. Um, yeah, I guess if you're looking for something, it'd be uh, some of the hardest things to do, like with marketing as an artist, is like just constantly writing the emails. So if you were to create a service that would like save the artist time, where they could send you an image and like a little bit, and like you could like basically finalize like social media posts and take care of that for them. So basically you'd manage their social media. I think that would probably be the most helpful marketing thing as an artist. Because just in personal experience, like if I'm busy painting and busy trying to like do taxes and run the business and that, sometimes that marketing element will fall through the cracks. Right. So that's I would,
1: I would oh sorry. Yeah. I would say if you really want to help artists come up with your own social media platform that doesn't limit somebody's post to 30 viewers, that would be great. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Please do that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just eliminate all the algorithms from your social media platform, and that would that would work.
0: <laughs> all right, we have time Thanks. for a couple more questions. Just a few more minutes here. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you. uh,
2: my question too is, um, when you have a, a vision for an illustration uh, and you're working for someone, and how do you handle the conflicts between that?
1: Like, if you have a vision and the author has a different
0: vision, how do you handle that? Well, the author, it, the, you know, who's paying who. It's <laughs> oh, a question. Yeah, they're, they're, they're paying you. Yeah, they're so. paying you. You know, you're going to want to create a great piece, but also they, if they have a vision of something to have in mind, uh, hopefully that's something that you can, as close to, you know, put together. And, uh, you know, if they're paying you for a project and they have something in mind, you're going to want to deliver that, and you're going to build a better career for yourself if you're able to deliver. You know, obviously you have, like, they've been talking about painting stuff for yourself and then painting for money. So you're going to want to get a balance of that.
1: Yeah, whenever I'm doing stuff for clients, I always say up front, um, you know, give me all the information. You know, Tell me what you're envisioning. Artists are not mind readers, and most of the frustration in artists' lives become, you know, come from that, people thinking they are. Uh, and so get all of the information up front for the project. What do they envision? Um, ask them for competitors, like what what other book covers do you like, et cetera, um, and then get as close as you can. But then I also stipulate that this price that I'm quoting you includes the first round of changes. Um, Because the the biggest, um, I would say, time waster is when um, they give you a round of changes, you make their changes, and then they come back with another round of changes. or, Or, you know, they bring up other things to change or other things that they haven't figured out yet like the costume of the characters or the color of their eyes and all that stuff and they'll try to change things on you round after round after round just just make sure that they know that they're going to pay for that extra time hourly so yeah thank you You great to hear all of your input and
3: opinions on the industry i uh one part of the industry that we haven't talked about yet and i was wondering if you had any input on was like concept art for like tv and movies and stuff and how that niche area of the
1: industry works if any of you have any experience with that like how to get into
2: it it's not something i've done like i did it did it in school but i haven't done it since Um, but uh
1: yeah the thing about that is uh it's very specified um and so like if you work for pixar or something you're not going to be doing a whole lot of stuff some people just do textures you know some people just do um you know the character design but that means it's usually very limited and very kind of pigeonholed into one thing and you're just going to do that one little aspect like over and over and over so if you're trying to get in with you know dreamworks or pixar or disney or something um you should get really really good at at one really specific part of it a part of the process I know for 3D modelers, you know, there are people that just do textures or, or they just work on one character. They just do animation or, um, you know, the rigging or that sort of thing. So uh, for art, it's a little, it, it kind of falls back to that other question we got. You just have to have a really amazing portfolio and then they're going to find you. It's, it's kind of tough nowadays to get into that industry because um, there are so many great artists out there. So you really have to stand out, and you really have to get your
2: stuff seen. Which is, like I mentioned, a little tougher in social media now, but we try. (laughs) And uh, I I do have some friends that are like concept artists and stuff, and one of the pieces of advice I constantly see is, um, when you're doing concept art portfolios, make sure you show your process, because they're almost as interested in how you produce the art and how you thought through the solution to whatever problem you were giving yourself. So they're more interested in your ability to like visually problem solve sometimes than in your ability to produce like a really solid finished piece. Like you still need the solid finished piece, but they're as interested in like your thought process for for coming up with that solution.
0: Thank you. All right, so that's all we have for today. And um, I have some cards here that tell you about the contest and where you can enter and all that. And then if you have more questions, the whole illustrators contest. We have booth 1713, 1713. We also have the books down there. You can paw through some of the winning art and uh, we'll be down there to answer questions and um, come grab one of these or John at the back has more so you can grab them on the way out. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you.
3: Well, thank you very much, Emily Goodwin, Brian Hales, Nick Jisba, and Colin Zhang. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. I also want to thank Carnation for sponsoring the show. Their sponsorship and their belief in this podcast is very much appreciated. Writers of the Future series can be purchased wherever books are sold in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Australia, and South Africa, and available everywhere via Amazon.com. Writers and illustrators of the future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Salt Lake City Fan X.